Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sneaky Sports Podcast, Season 3, Episode Number 1 on this Feel Good Friday, January 1st, 2021. And man, does that feel weird to say after 80-plus times of saying Season 2? Um, and if you're watching along on YouTube, you see three faces to my right, Dom, Nick, and Frank. Um, and yeah, you'll hear from them in a bit if you're on Apple Podcasts, but that's it. For the intro, let's get to the classic saying, and let's dive on in. All right, so to start off the day, we're going to talk about Dwayne Haskins and his tenure with the Washington football team. So, fellas, what do you think about Haskins' time with the Redskins not completing even two seasons after being drafted? Um, well, yeah, um, let me start things off. Uh, I do just want to say um, about Dwayne Haskins and the Washington football team is that you can argue all you want if he should get a second shot in the NFL. Like, I'm not going to even debate that. I want to focus more on his time with the Washington football team I mean, my biggest takeaway from this is that if you were a guy like Antonio Brown, for example, with the Laws of Oakland Raiders in the time, you, know, you can do all the off-the-field stuff you want and still get jobs. He got a job in Tampa Bay, New England, Pittsburgh. He All those years in Pittsburgh where he stayed on the roster despite being a distraction off the field. If you're Dwayne Haskins producing 12 touchdowns and 14 interceptions on your career and you're not really producing on the field, bragging about your stat line after a loss to the Ravens this season, like that stuff to me is unacceptable in the NFL. And that's why he doesn't have a job. Like, I don't feel sorry for the kid at all. And I know he's still young. He's 23. But, I mean, at the end of, at the, end of the day, you have, to be, you have to prove as an NFL starter that you're mature enough to have this job that 31 other people only have. This is a rare job. and It's a privilege to have the job. And, you know, he didn't do enough um, off the field and on the field uh, to keep that privilege. All right, Grant, well, what do you think? Man. Yeah, so, I mean, quite frankly, his time with the Redskins was a disaster. He was, it was just awful. And, you know, you can look at all of the different things he did, but I'd like to uh, talk about another quarterback. You look at Nathan Peterman, who obviously hasn't had a lot of success. He threw five interceptions in a game once, but the reason he's still in the NFL is because he's shown coaching staff that he's willing to work. He's willing to put in the time. And when you look at somebody like Dwayne Haskins, he hasn't been willing to do that. He has not shown uh, really strong signs of leadership. And I think that's the most important thing that a coaching staff looks at. Cause obviously you're a young quarterback. You're going to struggle. You're going to have your growing pains. But, and same thing when you look at a guy like Josh Rose and the coaching staff that he worked with did not like his ability to rally an offense around him and to lead his teams to victory. Yeah, uh, I agree with Graf because, I mean, it also doesn't help his case where he was seen without a mask at a strip club or whatever it was when it was clear that his head coach, Ron Rivera, was recovering from cancer and was a uh, was like at risk. So, I mean, that I mean, that's not a good look if you want to be a professional in this league. And I mean, I, he's definitely going to get another chance somewhere, but it's definitely not going to be like as a starting job as a proven quarterback. Oh uh, yeah. Frank, do you want to finish this off, man? Any last words? Yeah. He's probably going to get a shot. You can look at a team with probably like a veteran quarterback, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, somewhere like that. He's going to have to sit. He's going to have to earn himself a starting job somewhere. I feel like a team like the bears somewhere, if they keep Trubisky, like chat challenge somebody in camp would be good for something like Haskins to prove that he's still like a winner and a viable quarterback in the NFL. But regardless of this, like you said, selfishness, like you guys talked about, and he's just not that good anyways. He had a 30 QBR this season. It's the worst yeah. in the NFL by far. So I get that well, yeah. there's no pieces around you, but what they want to focus on with these young quarterbacks is you have to prove that you can succeed without pieces around you and look like a quarterback. Look what Burrow did in Cincinnati. You know, they these teams are quick to move on from quarterbacks now. There's no playing games anymore. You, you get your one shot in your rookie contract and you're done. That's it. Yeah, I think that's more true than now, uh, now than ever. I mean, look at a guy like Josh Rosen, one season in Arizona, he's out the door. 
the next year. They draft Kyler Murray. Tua, I think, could be in a similar scenario. Call me crazy, but I think the Tua, the Dolphins can move on from him after this season. They have a number three pick in the draft. So it just goes to show how, you know, what your margin of error is as a first round pick nowadays. It's very slim. And he was cut by the Washington football team 619 days after being drafted. That's the fastest for a first round quarterback to ever be cut by their first team in NFL history. So let's move on to the next topic of the day. We got the, should the Dolphins start to attack of Aloha or move on to Ryan Fitzpatrick? Um, I'll kick things off with Frank. What do you got? I mean, I'd say in this week 17 game, you want to start Fitzpatrick. To me, I, I understand the whole thing where Tua can like hold you into the game and manage your game at the start of the game, you know, keep the game close. He's not going to make the mistakes that Fitzpatrick's going to make because he's a little hesitant to throw the ball down the field. But at the same time, when you're playing an explosive offense like Josh Allen and the Bills, they're going to score points regardless of how good your defense is. So you're going to need to keep up, and you're not going to keep up with Tua in a running game, him putting the ball in Ahmed's hands, Breida's hands and Gaskin's hands, you need to throw the football down the field against them. So I think Fitzpatrick would be my start in week 17. Yeah, Dom, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to disagree with Frank here. I think you should start. I mean, obviously they've announced that they're going to start two a week 17, but I feel like you drafted him fifth for a reason. You're going to have to let him ride for this season. And if if he gets the job done week 17 you have it and makes the playoffs, you're obviously going to have to start him because going back back and forth from two it if it's magic, that's not really a key to winning in the future. It's not. It's not a long-term winning culture, benching your your first your quarterback in the in the first half and trying to pull a win out of your ass basically, and yeah, I mean that's that's what I feel about that. I feel like you let let it ride with two in the season and then see what happens in the draft and free agency. Yeah, I know Graph. Um, you feel a similar way. You think you should keep Tua. Um, Absolutely. anything you want to add to him? Yeah, definitely. I mean, listen, Fitzpatrick, you know what you have. He's not a winner. I, I just pulled up his stats right here. He's had one winning season as a pro. So you're not going to win games with him. He's never been to the playoffs before. Tua is still a relative unknown. He's only started, what, 10 games in his career. You don't know what you have with him yet. You know, you just got to ride with him. This game is, you know, I don't want to say it's meaningless because the Finns could still miss out on the playoffs. But I think, you know, a lot of things would have to go against them for them to really miss the playoffs. I think you just got to stick with Tua. If you win, you win. If you lose, you lose and then get them some playoff action next week, hopefully. I think that's the best possible situation for them. Because with yeah, Fitz, um, man, like, oh, you could throw them in there, he'll win you one game. But that is, come on, we've seen time and time again, that is not the solution to anything. Well, um, Graf, um, if I want to point out, I mean, his one winning season was with the New York Jets yes. back in, like, 2016, right? 2016, so, I think. But, you know, my thing is, look, Tua, three completions over 25 yards a season. That's the worst among starting quarterbacks in the NFL um, if you want to win games, and especially this game, this coming Sunday, that's a must win. If you look at the Colts, they play the Jaguars, the Titans play the Texans, the Browns play the backup Steelers, the practice squad Steelers. If they lose, they're most likely out of the race. And, you know, when you have this big of a game coming up, you have to start the guy who can win you a game in Buffalo, go head to head, go score for score with Josh Allen. So, you know, give me, give me fits and then let me draft the quarterback in 2021. This might, this might sound extremely unpopular, but I don't think two is the guy moving forward for this team. Um, you know, he can't push the ball down the field. He's scared to make decisions, scared to throw interceptions. He, you know, even Fitz, you heard him on the sideline at that NFL Films um, clip, soundbite, and you heard him say, you know, what looks open in college isn't open in the NFL. You have to just throw the ball in these tight windows. You have to make these risks. And um, unfortunately, he didn't do that, or he hasn't done that yet. I just want to say one more thing. 
the people want to make the excuse that like he's hesitant to push the ball down the field for his hip injury and everything. But if he's he's scrambling and he's escaping from the pocket, he's clearly not hesitant about anything. You saw it in the SEC when he played teams like Georgia and LSU and would disguise defenses like most defenses do in the NFL. He struggled mightily. Like he did decent against the Patriots. I understand that. But look at the Patriots this year compared to years past. It's not the same team anymore. You need a guy that can push the ball down the field. So if you're not going to do that and you're not going to try and do that, you're not going to win football games. It's regardless of that. Like, and I get it. Maybe you start to it. You have him in against Buffalo. He holds your your lead. You know, the game's close. And then when you want to go ahead and you have to go win it, then you put Fitzpatrick in. But then you kill the kid's confidence. You're starting this kid. And then you pull him out of the game halfway through because this kid can't win you a game. How does that feel to him every week? And then him going back to the job. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and well, listen, I got one more thing to say. So everybody's talking about Tua not winning the team games, but nobody's talking about the fact that Fitz can so easily lose you a game. If you go back to Fitz's one winning season with the Jets, week 17, he lost in the game against Buffalo when he threw three interceptions. He has a track record of losing games. And, you know, just because they star Ryan Fitzpatrick, that doesn't mean they're going to beat Buffalo anyway. Buffalo is a top five team in the NFL. So, you know, I I just want to add on, though, um, about that. You know, look, I agree. It's Fitz magic or Fitz tragic. You know, he could lose you a game. He could win you a game. But going up against a team like Buffalo, who can score 35, 40 points in a blink. I mean, this is the best offense in football this year outside of the Kansas City Chiefs and maybe the Green Bay Packers if, you wanna up, uh, if you're up for debate on that. But in order to win a game like this on the road, you're going to have to have a guy who can win you this game. Tua will not win you this game. You will lose a Tua no matter what happens. Sure, Fitzpatrick will give you at least a shot to keep you in this game and, and get a win. We're going to switch sides now. We're going to talk about the NFC, and we're going to talk about the worst division in football, the NFC East, Mm -hmm. and the race ahead of the champion for the division in Week 17. So we got Washington, who lost in Week 16. So they kept Dallas and uh, the Giants, the New York Giants, alive. Dallas pulled out a win against Philadelphia, and the Giants lost to Cleveland. So we got the 6-9 and Cowboys, obviously, playing the Giants this week. Home in MetLife, Week 17, and then we got – the Redskins, who plan to – or the football team, my bad, who plan to start Alex Smith against Jalen Hurts. And you saw uh, Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles today, say that they're going to play and they're going to try and spoil the Redskins' chances of making the playoffs. Current, Currently sitting – we got like John Kornacki reference here. The Redskins have a 52% chance to win the division. The Cowboys have a 26% chance, and the Giants have a 22% chance. The Redskins are playing on primetime, so obviously we won't know until probably around 11.30 Eastern time who's going to win the division. And then Alex Smith is probable to start on Sunday. Obviously, no Haskins. And then they have Terry McLaurin, who's currently questionable, who was in a walking boot last week with a high ankle sprain. So, fellas, who do you have winning the division here? Oh, yeah, Don, start off things here. All right. Um, with the division, I'm going to have to go with Dallas. Uh, I feel like Jalen Hurts can easily pull out a win against the football team, especially if McLaurin's out with the ankle sprain. Um if the Redskins, the football team, sorry, doesn't have uh, the weapons without McLaurin to to um, succeed and establish like a like a good offense, but I feel like Hertz is a good opportunity, has a good chance to win this game. Like it doesn't mean anything for the Eagles, but I, that I feel like they're going to play a good spoiler against the football team. Um, I don't like, I don't really like the Giants moving the ball down the field offensively. They can't score touchdowns. So I feel like the Cowboys are going to take that, beat the Giants. The Eagles will win, giving the Cowboys the NFC East. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, look, I might be a homer on this one, and I, I certainly probably am. But, dude, give me the Giants. I, I like the Eagles' chances to beat the football team with Terry McLaurin out with a high ankle sprain. And as for my G-men, look, 
Dallas is ranked dead last in rushing defense. The Giants, that's been their kind of forte on offense. When they move the ball, like versus Seattle, when they win games, it's by the rushing attack with Wayne Gallman, Alfred Morris, et cetera. So I like the Giants to pull out a win at home in the, in the elements, in MetLife Stadium. And then for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts to play spoiler to the Washington football team. Listen, I agree. I think that the Eagles definitely have a chance to beat Washington if Jalen Hurts plays well again. But I don't see the Giants beating the Cowboys the way they have failed to put the ball in the end zone the last few weeks. They're trying to win games 9-7 to seven off the leg of Graham Gano, and that's just not how you win football games in the NFL. It's not effective. Well, yeah, I, I can't disagree. But um, let's move on to the next topic of the day. Should the Bears re-sign Mitchell Trubisky? Um, obviously, Mitch has played very well these past four weeks. Um, and people kind of think that at this point, can Mitch earn himself an extension, a lucrative extension with the Chicago Bears? I know in the past it hasn't worked out with teams, but many believe Mitchell Trubisky is the guy moving forward for the Chicago Bears team. And especially with a low draft pick, people think that potentially the Bears should just have him as a bridge quarterback until they really stink and get a high draft pick. Well, we'll start things off with Nick here. Who do you got? Well, I just think you got to cut your losses. Trubisky's not a good quarterback. We've seen that. Sure, he's played well the last few weeks, but you know you got to just look at the whole career. You can't you can't just look at a three game sample size and just assume that's who he is as a player. There is five, maybe six potential quarterbacks going in the first round in this draft. You know, maybe you can get a guy like Stafford if the Lions want to move on from him. But I just don't see Trubisky's the long term answer. He's not a good football player. Yeah, um, Dom, what about you? Uh, I'm gonna agree with uh, Nick here. Let Mitch go. I mean, he hasn't really proven that he could be a, a like a like a good quarterback in the league. Take your chances in free agency in the draft. They're not going to have a high pick, so I feel like free agency is their best option here. Or I mean, you could trade up but, uh, in the draft, but I don't see that for the Bears. Yeah, trade, trading up's going to be tough. But um, I think I'm on board with all you guys. I don't know about Frank. Frank, do you guys uh, have the same opinion as all three of us? Because I'm on board with letting Mitch walk. I mean- yeah, you look at the you played the Lions defense and you played the Jaguars defense. Congrats, you scored thirty points. Your running back David Montgomery has been playing also fantastic the last five weeks. That's helped. You finally established a running game. And look at the defenses you played against. And then your your defense is creating turnovers. You're getting the ball in, in good field position just to start off the drives. It's not tough to finish the drives off when you're starting at the 35, 40 yard line because you're throwing you're playing against Mike Lennon. He's throwing interceptions like. Mitch is nothing special. We know that. But then the thing is, look where you're at around with a pick. You're going to get a guy like Kyle Trask or Mac Jones. How much better are they right now than Trubisky is? Or look in free agency then. Do you have the cap space to bring in a guy like Stafford, Wentz, possibly Garoppolo, guys like that? And at this point, it, they're all probably in the same boat, honestly. Like, you're not – the Bears, are you a quarterback away from winning? If you think you're a quarterback away from winning, go get Stafford. But if not, then hold on. Like you said, Trubisky can be that bridge quarterback for the next two or three years till your defensive pieces fall off. But then you waste this championship-style defense, and you, you're in your window, and then you get nothing. You get nothing out of it. So yeah, I mean, you make I, your mind I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think, you know, with the options they have for quarterback, right? I mean, obviously, with Mitch Trubisky being a free agent, but the draft picks, see, like they're 18th. They're drafting like 18th, 19th in, the, in this season, depending on where they finish in the playoffs. And – you know, dude, what is that going to get you? Uh, that's that's going to get you a quarterback, you know, probably isn't even as good as Mitch Trubisky, probably even worse than Mitch Trubisky. So, you know, look, this is a tough spot for the Bears to be in. Um, but, you know, I think, honestly, moving forward, your best bet is to try and go out. And if you really believe this, champ- this defense is championship caliber, go and get a guy like Stafford. Go and get a guy like Garoppolo or Wentz, um, like Frank alluded to. And, um, you know, 
get some get some rings, hopefully get some playoff wins. Um, actually, meanwhile, um, yeah. So that's what I that's what I think on, and I see on that. Um, You're also going to have uh, your potential your your main playmaker in the receiving core potential potentially leaving for free agency. So, I mean, if if Robinson goes, you have no need to bring back. Yeah. So Mitch. yeah, they're they're in a tough spot, Chicago, no doubt about it. Um, let's kind of dive into the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of talk has been made about them the past couple of weeks um, on this three-game losing streak, but they did snap it versus the Indianapolis Colts uh, last Sunday, 28-24 win. Um, but still, they only rushed for 20 yards on Sunday, 1.4 yards per carry. So are the Pittsburgh Steelers' problems really behind them? Um, and again, people actually say that with a straight face, um, knowing all the facts that I just laid out, we the 20 rushing yards, 1.4 yards per carry, dead last in the NFL in rushing. Um, and I'll start things off with Frank. I mean, you were for, you were first in goal at the one, and you threw the ball four times. So that tells you enough about the rushing attack. They don't even think they can get in the end zone from a yard away. And they're going empty set on the one-yard line. That makes no sense. So obviously, no. I think their ability to push the ball down the field as of late hasn't been that good. So I think that's obviously the problem. It's not hard for a defense to play underneath and play and cover everything. Like, listen, you, you, have, you have the weapons on the outside. There's no excuse. Your offensive line is pretty solid middle of the pack. I think Roethlisberger's ability to push the ball down the field as of late has been struggling as his age has been older. Yeah, that elbow surgery last year. So I think that's a problem. And look at these offenses that are in the AFC. You got Tennessee, you got Buffalo, and you got Kansas City. You have three of the five most uh, of the most powerful offenses points per game-wise in the NFL. You're not going to be able to sit in the playoffs and score 20 points and win these games. And it doesn't help when you're going three and out every drive with three incomplete passes and not even running 10 seconds off the clock. So that can't happen. Your defense is good. You have to establish a running game with a good defense or some sort of ability to pick up multiple first downs and push the ball down the field and score. And they can't do that right now. Yeah. Dom, Nick, what about you guys? I'm going to have to agree with uh, Frank here. I mean, their problems are right in front of them. One game against the Colts is not going to help them make a run in the postseason. They're one-dimensional They're one dimensional offensively. They have no running attack. And until that they can prove that they can – have some sort of run game, they're not going to be a threat in the playoffs. I mean, these offensive teams that they're going to be going to be going up against are too high powered. They can't, they can't really compete if they, they don't run the ball effectively. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Nick, last I, words? Think, I, I think their comeback win versus Indianapolis was pretty impressive. There's no doubt they're still a good football team, but we look back three, four weeks, they were looking at a potential perfect season in a Super Bowl, And obviously that's not going to happen. So the question now is, are they still a contender? And I still think no. Uh, as Cass said before, they don't push the ball down the field really at all, even though they have some pretty talented receivers, which is weird. Obviously, we know their run game is just non-existent. And then they, they have some injuries that are just really tough to overcome. The injury to Bud Dupree a few weeks ago, I think that doesn't get talked about enough. He was having a great year. You know, it's losing an elite player like that is just really tough. So, no, I do not think their issues are behind them. You know, um, something flying under the radar, too, is that Randy Fitchner, the offensive coordinator for them, has had 48 opening drives in his career in, as an offensive coordinator with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've only scored on a touchdown on six of those drives. So, you know, that's inexcusable as an offense um, to only have six scoring drives um, out of 48. You know, when and you're scripting your first 10 plays of your offense. So you're coming out of the locker room with 10 plays, 15 good plays that you want to run, and you can't score. That's your best plays of the game. That starts off the tempo and everything for your offense going down the line. Start off with confidence coming out scoring on your first drive. How do you not score on your first drive? That's the easiest time to score in a football game. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, um, the funny – or the actually, I meant to say this, is that the source for this is the Pittsburgh Post-Get and fans cited saying that they changed the play calling. Big Ben changed the play calling 
down 24-7 versus India on Sunday. And you saw a immediate, a drastic impact um, changing the play calling, pushing the ball down the field a little bit more. You have to start pushing the ball down the field. That's been their biggest problem. Um, and, you know, establish a run. They didn't do that uh, on Sunday. They were down, granted. They were down. So hopefully um, they get back on track because the playoffs will be rushed or rough if they cannot run the football, if they cannot establish a run game. But, yeah, that's going to be it uh, for that. Big Ben, 1-3. The Steelers are 1-3 since Pornhub took down the unverified videos as well. So I thought I would throw that in there. Um, that's a quick stat. Is it the Pornhub? Who knows? All right, uh, moving on to Probably the next topic. Probably the fucking TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> moving you know on to the next up to. All right, so now we're going to talk about week 17 in general. We're going to talk about the playoff games here and focus on those essentially, obviously. So we're going to start off with the Miami Dolphins traveling to Buffalo. Remember, January game in Buffalo. Spread minus three and a half currently for the Bills. The Bills have announced they're not resting starters as they're playing for the number two seed in the conference. And the Dolphins can clinch a playoff berth with simply enough a win or they're going to need some help if they lose. They can use a loss from Tennessee, Cleveland, Baltimore, or the Ravens. So, like we said last week, two was replaced middle of the game by Ryan Fitzpatrick, but Coach Brian Flores has still announced that two of the will start against the Buffalo Bills. Fellas, who do you have here? We're going to start off with Graf. Uh, well, I think Buffalo is the second-best team in the NFL personally, so I think this is a no-brainer. They're at home. They're playing well. Josh Allen's on a hot streak. They're just, they're just too good. And Miami's a solid team. I think their defense will give them a chance, but at the end of the day, Buffalo is too good. Dom, I see you're on board here, so you want to add, yeah. add anything? Uh, with the Bills starters being in, I mean, they're an automatic pick for me here. Their offense is too high-powered. I don't think the Finns will be able to keep up. I mean, I hope Tua plays well and proves himself that he can be a quarterback for the Dolphins next season, but I can't say I believe in him to get the job done here. Well, um, you know, look, as the solo dog with the Dolphins, I think they match up pretty well on the outside. You know, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, 20 straight games with an interception or a takeaway rather. Um, and I think versus Diggs in his high-powered offense, Cole Beasley as well, um, that they should be able to contain them, contain Josh Allen. In the first meeting, they did a pretty good job of disrupting him late in the second half, although the Bills got off to a hot start in that first meeting. But I expect Miami to get on track here, pick up a win that they that they desperately need. They desperately need to get the playoffs so um, give me the Dolphins here um, to disrupt the Allen and the Red Hot Bills um, in this one. Yeah, I think right, just um, the, the way Buffalo has oh, been playing bad. this this last like three, four weeks with this offense, like they've been just as good as Kansas City. Like this guy, Josh Allen, would be an MVP candidate if he played this way all season. And he really is. But you look at a guy like Rodgers Mahomes, their numbers are just too good. Well, this yeah, year. I mean, Rodgers is this, having I just this, I mean, this, incredible. Offense is just too good right now. Miami can't keep up with this. They can keep up if they can hold to under 20 points, but you're not going to hold them to under 20 points. So Buffalo yeah. here. For me. It'll be a good one for sure. The, the thing about this is funny, though, is that Miami's going to be the odd team out here. Because if if you look at the other matchups, like Indianapolis, they play who? They play Tennessee – or they play um Jacksonville. Tennessee plays Houston. Um, Baltimore plays Cincinnati. Cleveland plays a, a, a practice squad in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, this is a big game for them. And I'm not sure if they can get the job done. I'm going to take them just because they desperately need this win. I like how they match up. Like I just said earlier, um, it's me a close one for sure, though. All right. Um, moving on to the next top or the next game, rather, um, is the Bengals. They host 10 and 5 Ravens who desperately need a win. They can clinch the playoff berth with a win or some help um, by some other teams. But the easiest path for them is just a win and they're in. 
Um, Baltimore receiving 71% of the public cash on the spread, minus 13. So I'll take it to you guys. Who do you got and why? Let's start off with Frank. Well, I'm going to talk about the Ravens offense specifically, and I'm obviously picking them to win here. I know Brandon Allen played well last week, but this is something different that you've seen from Baltimore these past three, four weeks than you've seen with this whole tenure with Lamar Jackson. Normally, they've just been the north-south running team, just running the ball strictly in the middle of the field with guys like Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram and running down the hole, running the, uh, running down the team's throats. But now with J.K. Dobbins and you see, they've kind of established more of a run game east to west. They can run towards the sideline. They have that kind of speed. The offense has looked almost to a new certain dimension. I understand that they've played weaker defenses this last couple of weeks, but they've looked a little bit better getting the ball to the outside, running the ball to the perimeter, which is good. They're using their speed. Marquise Brown actually has looked pretty good as of lately, and they just need to get Andrews a little bit more involved as he's obviously their best playmaker on offense. But I think, you know, a little quick little tune-up game before hopefully you get in the playoffs with a win here against Cincinnati, and I think they're a team that could win a game or two in the playoffs. Yeah, Um. I think we all agree, right? Like, there's no yeah. point um, in going over this. Close. We all agree. But one thing I will point out is that the Dol- or the Ravens, excuse me, last time they played Cincinnati for a playoff berth, they lost to Tyler Boyd, Andy Dalton. We all remember that of um, course fiasco. Yes. Um, there, that was crazy. But can, can history repeat itself? Can Brandon Allen get a dub? Who knows? Um, I'm taking the Ravens, though. And we're all taking the Ravens. We're all, we're all in on the Ravens here. All right, talk. So we're going to stick to another, the same division here, the AFC North, and we're going to talk about the 12-3 and three Steelers traveling to Cleveland to play the Browns. Obviously, we know Ben Roethlisberger will not start for Pittsburgh, and Mason Rudolph will start for Pittsburgh. This is uh, sounds pretty frequent because the last time Mason Rudolph started against Cleveland, his helmet was taken off and used against him as a weapon by Miles Garrett. So we'll see that again. It looks like we're all here in on the Browns. So who wants to you know, tip it off and talk about why we obviously I'll have to start off here? I know I have the Browns, but the more I think about it, I think the Steelers do have a legitimate chance to win this game. The Browns just have a history of losing, and the Steelers, they're resting Big Ben. They're they are playing everybody else, and how good has Big Ben been these past few weeks? I feel like he's kind of held back their offense a few times. So maybe Mason Rudolph you know, he didn't look great last year, but who knows? Maybe they can get the ball in their playmakers' hands early, score some quick points, and then, I mean, the Browns did not look – offensively, they did not look great last week. Obviously, the receivers were out, but – you know, who knows? I don't think it's as free of a game as people are making it out to be. Uh, yeah, I'm going to obviously go with the Browns here. With the non-existent running game from the Steelers, a backup quarterback in, I think Baker needs to take like a step up and deliver a win for the Browns in the city of Cleveland over their recent struggles in the past years. I don't think Mason Rudolph will have a very good revenge game against the Browns with the helmet incident last year. So give me the Browns to win here. Yeah, I think I'm I'm all on board with the Browns too. Um, look, I mean it's 2020. It's a new year for the Browns. This is a lot better of a team that we've seen in years past. I really think they find a way to make the playoffs. Um, and punch your ticket in. So like, give me give me Cleveland. Give me Kevin Stefanski, who's done an incredible job, coach of the year candidate without a doubt, front runner, I should say. Um, give me the Browns. This one big. I, I like them to get a big revenge game on Mason Rudolph, especially. Well, actually, we don't know what happened in the incident. To be fair, we don't know. But give me the Browns. Um. To be honest, I've had a little bit of a change of heart here. I, I mean, like you said, Cleveland, like look at last week. You got Pittsburgh. This is a good defense. If Pittsburgh can score and go up early, like we've talked about, and kind of establish like an offense and rhythm, like you said, Big Ben's honestly might have hurt them more than he's helped them these last couple of weeks with these turnovers. You know, Rudolph is probably not going to try and push the ball on field, get the ball in guys like Juju's hands and Deontay Johnson's hands. 
get a couple of first downs, get a little rhythm, keep the defense off the field, keep them healthy. And, you know, if Cleveland doesn't establish the run game, they're done. And you're going to be off for them a little bit because you've had this COVID thing back and forth. These receivers got to get back into the rhythm now. So, you, you know, Cleveland, and you know, everyone knows how Cleveland is. If you're going to come out and you're going to lose this game, you're not going to make the playoffs. So I could see it 100% happening. They're a choke artist and they've had been for the past 10 years. You got to prove to me that you can get into the playoffs first before you've earned my respect. Yeah, but Frank, this is a new regime, man. You can't live in the past. This is a new regime. Kevin Stefanski. Um, we got the crew in, in Cleveland. I, I like them a lot, man. They've been doing some good stuff this year. So, you know, giving the Browns, despite their loss to the Jets, to the fuck, to the Jets, um, as we all know, um, last week. But yeah, um, let's start off, or let's actually move things forward. We kind of already touched on this in the first uh, segment of the NFC East, but the Cowboys, they traveled to the 5-10 and 10 Giants um, in this game. Dallas is favored by three points in this one. Dallas on a three-game winning streak looking to improve to 7-9 and nine and get four wins to cap off the season. New York, on the other hand, is probably the opposite three-game losing streak, looking to still somehow win the NFC East at 6-10. and 10. Um, 73% of money is on Dallas in this one. But, fellas, who do you got and why? We'll start off with Graf. Yeah, I have the Cowboys, unfortunately. They've been playing well. I And, like, the Giants' defense, they'll contain them pretty well, but the Giants' offense doesn't score points. They can't win games without scoring points. I got to see a big performance from Daniel Jones, and I got to see these receivers hold on to the ball at some point, too. I mean, Daniel Jones is not the best, but every now and then he'll show you something. He'll make a nice play, and the receivers do not help him out whatsoever. So yeah, they, so, they um, got to get in the end zone early and often if they're going to win this game. Yeah, I'm not going to try to do repeat Larry because I did already talk about this in the first segment. But look, the thing that actually gets me as well promised is that 73% of the money is on Dallas. Um, if anybody knows anything about gambling in Vegas, that you know you have to bet with the book. And you know that's an encouraging sign when 27% of the money is only on the Giants. The book is on the Giants side right here. So giving the Giants in this one. And I, I like them to cover. I like them to cover. Actually, they didn't have to cover. They just win and then they cover. But give me the Giants in this one to win. Um, and cash out for Vegas. Frank, any last words? Dom, anybody? Um, I have the Cowboys in this game. It's not really going – I'm not really picking the Cowboys. I'm picking more against the Giants here. Their offense is terrible, 31st in the league. They can't score points in the end zone. So if the, I feel like if the Cowboys score more than 20 points, I feel like they could win this game, even though their defense is nothing special. I got the Cowboys here. Yeah, Frank, yeah, let's just, I'm on board let's too. just leave things then, off. Yeah. And then, simple enough, I mean, I saw something yesterday. The Jets have 23 touchdowns and the Giants have 22. So they're the least, they've scored yeah, the least amount tough. of touchdowns in the NFL. And the Jets are atrocious. So, like, you got to score points. You, got, you, you, can't, you can't win games by kicking field goals, especially nowadays in the NFL when these teams are so willing to go for it on fourth and one, fourth and two, when they're inside of the 50-yard line. You got to score touchdowns. Field goals don't win you games. All right, so we're going to stick with the NFC here, but we're going to talk about a team that's already clinched a playoff berth and a team that's really going to have a tough time trying to clinch a playoff berth this week. We got Green Bay traveling to Chicago against Mr. Trubisky and the Bears. Green Bay is favored by five and a half, looking to clinch the number one seed in the NFC. Head coach Matt LaFleur has talked about not resting his starters this week, and they will play. Chicago is riding on a three-game win streak and four games of 30-plus points, like we talked about with Trubisky earlier at quarterback. Chicago will clinch a playoff berth with a win or a Cardinals loss. But just remember that game. We're going to talk about that later. Jared Goff's already out. And then 79% of the money is on Green Bay. Ooh, Looks rough. like we're all on board with Green yeah. Bay here, but we're uh, on the Don, public, if you right? want to lead so, it off. Um, yeah, I got the Packers here. If Rogers, Rogers and Adams, that duo is playing. I mean, it's hard. 
I mean, you can't pick the Bears in this situation. Earlier in the season, the Packers dominated the Bears at Lambeau Field. So I don't see anything changing here. I don't think Mitchell come through. So I feel like the Packers are the clear choice here. Yeah. I mean, the Bears or the Packers, have, excuse me, have had the Bears number under the, the floor era. I think they're what, like 3 0 now? They're about to be 4 0 after this week. Uh, I just right now, with the way Aaron, like, People don't put enough context on how great Aaron Rodgers is playing this season. 44 touchdown passes, only five interceptions. He is the best pass rating of all time this season. He is on pace to have the best pass rating of all time in any quarterback season ever. So just to put into perspective how great of a season he's had and how dominant this offense has been, Devontae Adams, 17 touchdowns in 12 games. Like these stats, man, I mean, they speak for themselves. Give me the Packers in this one big. Graf, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I just – I saw a stat before. I think the the Bears have won one game versus Green Bay since 2015. They just don't beat them often. So, I, I just don't see a way in which the Bears pull this one off. The Packers are red hot right now. The Bears yeah, – Bears... I know they've scored a lot of points, but the Packers just beat up on the Titans really bad last week. Yeah. And the Titans well, are on the Bears team and the Bears. There's no chance they win this one. Yeah, so if the Bears do indeed lose this game like we all think – then the Cardinals would have to lose as well for them to clinch a playoff berth um, this weekend. All right, moving on to the next topic of the day. We have the Titans and the Texans. Um, this one in Houston, J.J. Watt fired up after you know being pissed at a, apparently, quote-unquote, players and coaches and people in the front office. He's mad at the entire organization right now. He said you know he's frustrated with the lack of responsibility that's being taken by the players and coaches. So could we get a fired up J.J. Watt? We don't know, but... Who do you guys have in this one and why? We'll start um, with Frank. All right, go ahead, Frank. So, I don't know. I, I mean, this game was closer than it should have been last time. The Texans have a lot of injuries, especially at the wide receiver position. The Sean Watsons look good, but uh, Tennessee needs to win this game, and they're going to win this game. They're a playoff team. They were last year. They made it to the AFC Championship game. They're just simply enough. Derrick Henry's going to run all over these clowns. Um, J.J. Watt could say whatever he wants, but this team is one of the worst teams in football. There's a lot of help that they need, and they have a ton of holes on defense. So, text. Uh, yeah, Dom, now, now uh, sorry right. to cut yeah, you off. I agree with Frank here, obviously. Um, the, the Texans cannot stop the run, and I expect Derrick Henry to have a huge day in Week 17 here. Um, coming off of the loss of Green Bay, against Green Bay, the Titans are going to bounce back and win this game. But after the press conference last week, I feel like J.J. Watt himself will have a good game. Not so sure about the Texans. Yeah, and Grafa, just uh, any last words on this? Yeah, I mean, the Titans are no doubt the better team here, but I don't know. They always seem to play these games closer than they need to be. They're really inconsistent, and you look at their last few weeks, they lost to Cleveland, and they barely beat Jack. Well, they beat Jacksonville. They beat the Lions, and they got blown out by the Packers. They haven't been impressive recently. I'm going to have to see a convincing performance here to really believe in them going to the postseason. Yeah, one thing that does concern me in this matchup is Deshaun Watson did have a field day versus him last time. This past yeah, season for exactly. Tennessee is brutal. Um, so, JJ, or, uh, excuse me, Deshaun Watson looks probably to have a good day on Sunday, but Derrick Henry, I think, even um, has a better day getting the Titans a win um, in this one. All right, um, we're, talk we're talking about the AFC South matchup. The other one um, in the AFC South, that's the 1-14 in Jaguars traveling to the Indianapolis Colts, who actually lost to the Jaguars Back in week one with Gardner Minshew. Um, who do you got this one and why, guys? We'll start off with Graf. I got the Colts. There's not much to say here. The Jaguars are not a good football team right now. 
yeah, we're all on I board with okay Indianapolis, with that. right? Yep. Yeah, we're all on board with Indy. Indy, yeah. Indy, Indy. All right. Um, Frank, how about you? Uh, how about you talk? What about the Cardinals and Rams, Frank? Now we're going to talk about the game possibly between two backup quarterbacks yeah, in the NFC West. Um, so Jared Goff has officially been ruled out with a broken thumb. Uh, he injured it on someone's helmet against the game in Seattle. Came through following on uh, following a throw. Thumb hits the helmet. So John Warford, formerly of the XFL, and I believe Wake Forest, will start for the Rams. Uh, they're also having some injury problems at running back. Henderson's questionable, and Akers, we're not sure if he's going to be back. And Cooper Cup was just placed on the code reserve list, so the Rams are obviously banged up on offense. How about Chris Shevler, Frank? And then we got, yeah, obviously Kyler Murray. He's questionable right now with a lower leg injury. You, we've seen he's been banged up. He had that shoulder problem earlier this season. He hasn't looked the same, really. And regardless of – without that Hale Murray, they're, they're less than a 500 team. They're nothing special. So this is a big game, fellas. I think we're all on board with the Cardinals here because – as of now, Kyler Murray has not been ruled out. Yeah, so, um, we're all on board Let's with play this. a hypothetical situation here. Kyler Murray does not play, and you got Chris Strebler, former CFL quarterback and champion of the CFL, against John Warford. Who would you guys pick in a backup versus backup situation? Look, um, um, you I'm might have to go with, oh, uh, with still the Cardinals here. Their defense has been playing very well. And from what I've seen from Strebler through, like, highlight videos, he's a beefed-up Kyler Murray. He likes to run the ball truck people he's fun to watch i'm gonna have to go with the cardinals here you got yeah in this magical hypothetical situation i mean i don't i have not seen john walford play i haven't seen chris Strebler play i don't know much about either of these guys oh, I don't think either of them are very good clearly since they're backups i'd have to go with the best player on the football field and that's aaron donald i mean defensively the rams are still really good i think they would get in the backup quarterbacks face early and often. And I still think even if Kyler Murray plays, they might have a chance. Cause as Cass said before, he hasn't played that well recently. So yeah. Um, well call me crazy graph. Cause um, I'm on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. I got, even if Strebler plays, give me the Cardinals, give wow. me the CFL legend, the Winnipeg wow. legend in the CFL. Give me him to get a dub and clinch a playoff berth for Arizona. Um, I'm, I'm with Strebler, man. I don't have anything else to say. I'm with Strebler. Give me this guy to get a nice little dub um, in L.A. I think simply enough, if, if this if it's backup versus backup, you take the better defense. They're not going to score points as is. That defense in, in Los Angeles creates turnovers. Donald creates turnovers. Jalen Ramsey creates turnovers. John Johnson, they create turnovers. Arizona's defense does not really create turnovers. I, I, I would take the Rams' defense if it's backup against backup. I mean, they're going to try and get Kyler Murray out there, even if he can't run. It's still better than Chris Drevler. And then you probably win the game. But if it's backup against backup, give me the Rams. All right, we're all on board with Arizona, obviously. Um, moving on to the next game, we got the Washington football team traveling to Philadelphia to play the 4-10-1 Eagles. This game is for the NFC East. If Washington wins, they are simply in. If not, then obviously the winner of the Giants and Cowboys will decide the NFC East. This one in prime time, game 256 of the year. So, fellas, who do you got? We'll start off with Dom. Um, I got the Eagles here. It's unlikely that Terry McLaurin plays this week, which is why I'm going with the Eagles. Terry McLaurin's been their air playmaker for the whole season. He's had a breakout year. And with, I feel like this is a perfect game for Hurts to play well and win. It's really meaningless to him, but I feel like that's why it's a perfect game. He has no pressure coming in, and I feel like he'll play well. Yeah, um, Graf and uh, Frank, I know you guys are picking the, the Washington football team. Um, what do you guys kind of got to say about that? 
Yeah, I think I think Washington's got a better team here, especially defensively. They'll control the line of scrimmage. They'll get in a Hurts' face early and often. And the Cowboys or the Eagles, excuse me, did not look good last week. They got beat up pretty bad. So I think if McLaurin doesn't play, we'll be talking about a different story here. But I think they're going to get it out on the field. He's one of their best players. They need him out there. So well, um, he is doubtful. He he is doubtful. That's what yeah. That's but what the team is we'll right see. Now. If he doesn't play, I still think they have a chance. They they can establish a solid run game. If Alex Smith plays, he'll manage the game pretty well. And you know, will Hertz play well, or will he look like he did last week, where they really were not effective after the first quarter? Yeah, I will say he did have three turnovers in the second mm-hmm. half. I mean, if Carson Wentz were to do that, would we have um a conversation? I mean, that would be all over the media of Carson mm-hmm. Wentz playing bad. So. We got to keep that same energy with Jalen Hurts. But um, look, I mean, for, for the Washington football team, I don't think they'll generate enough offense. Like last week versus the Panthers, a defense that's not special at all. A lot of rookies on that defense. And, you know, they only scored three points. And now you might be saying, you know, Alex is coming back for the Washington football team. But, you know, if you look at the numbers, he really hasn't played much better than uh, Dwayne Haskins. So, you know, with Terry McLaurin being out for the football team, give me the Eagles in this one. Jalen Hurts have a bounce back game. He's playing spoiler to the Washington football team? No. What's no, that? No, I'm telling you. This is what's going to happen. You know that corner jaquette for the Eagles you saw yeah. last week? You mm-hmm. saw Dallas You saw Dallas rip them apart with Gallup in the first half, and then you saw, oh, let's have Darius Slagle cover Gallup now, and then we'll, have, we'll, throw, we'll, go, we'll go put Jaquette on Cooper. But who does Washington have as a weapon? What happened. I don't care. Cameron Sims can catch the ball against this guy. I can catch the ball against this guy. He's horrible. <laughs> Frank, they're rookie quarterbacks, Alex, Frank, for, for Alex Carolina. Smith, in all Alex fairness, Smith is going to play. They're gonna Cameron play. Sims can't catch the ball with nobody on him either. He has quite what a Chris Sims do we, last week versus um, all that, those Carolina that, cornerbacks. That four-man pressure pass rush of Washington is going to get in this young kid's face. You know how rookie quarterbacks deal with pressure. You see them. They all choke. Hurts didn't prove to me like he could handle pressure. Dallas was four-man pass rush last week. There's no reason why he's going to – Washington's going to come out and win this game. Ron Rivera's a good coach. He's mobile, though. Mo- mobility, you know, kind of, you know, helps with pressure. You know, like Kyler Murray, you see Russell Wilson in Seattle with a, a terrible offensive line throughout his tenure with the Seahawks. I mean, I think Jalen Hurts does enough. Teddy Bridgewater was able to do a lot versus that, um, you know, stout Washington football team front. So, um, you know, I like Jalen Hurts this one a lot. All right, we'll see. But we're going to switch yeah. gears for now, right? We're going to talk about yeah, the NBA. Yeah. Uh, NBA. NBA acting for the first time, guys. Right here. So we're going to we're going to start transitioning a little bit more. Well, obviously, we're going to stick to football as the playoff season's up, upcoming, and we're going to start our standings for our picks. But now we're going to talk about the start of the NBA season. After about each team's played around four or five games now, we're going to talk about panic or patience for NBA teams. We're going to start off with Ben with his panic team, the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, Um. you know, I know Graf has them as his patience team. But right now, allowing 130 points per game in their first three games, uh, I just can't see how this team can make a turnaround, especially with how they're playing offensively. Kelly Oubre, Andrew, uh, Andrew Wiggins have been in a slump shooting. Um, and you know, even with Draymond Green coming back for this team, you know, my question for the team is bigger than defense. It is the lack of a true offensive identity. Like with the Warriors and like the old, the old Warriors, it was Klay Thompson, Steph the Splash Bros. But it just seems like it's a bunch of names being like James Wiseman, a big man who put, who, you know, was back to the basket kind of guy. You got two wings who, you know, are, you know, high volume scorers who need the ball in their hands, need high volume to succeed. And you got Steph Curry, an off the ball, three point shooting guy, a superstar. Like it's just a bunch of weird pieces being thrown together. Like, is it going to work? I don't think so. I don't think this works out. Um, and I think the death of this team, 
um, you know, it, they're, they're done. I, I think they're done. And call me crazy, but I really do think this Warriors team cannot bounce back from this. All right, uh, Dom, what do you got for your uh, panic? Let's all go um, around the panic. All right, my panic team is going to be the Wizards. I mean, starting off 0-4 as a potential playoff team in the East. I mean, you make a, you make the trade for West, Russell Westbrook. You have Bradley Beal. You have your rookie, Denny. He's been – He's been – He has some talent. Yeah. Starting off 0-4, they haven't, up, they haven't given up under 110 points yet this season. Although there's a lot of time left to turn it around, I definitely am interested to see if they could turn their defensive woes into – like good play because yeah. I feel like this team is has potential, but until they, they could show me that they made some improvements, I will be panicking with the Wizards. Well, look, I mean, they lost to the Bulls. I, is that is that enough panic for you guys? They lost to the Bulls, who you know themselves are are you know, a bad team. So let's swing things over to you know Frank with your panic team, man. Going to talk about Portland. They're going to talk about Damian Lillard's struggles. All these guys coming out in the offseason. Oh, this is the best point guard in the NBA. Well, yeah, I'd rather have Kyrie because he's a proven winner in the playoffs, something that Damian Lillard still hasn't done. And I'd still rather have Steph Curry. So let's hold the horses here on this all this Damian Lillard nonsense because he shoots the ball from 40 feet. All right, congrats. You beat nah, Paul man. George right. in the playoffs. You're not, you're not going to go disrespecting Damian Lillard. Lillard on this thing, man. Uh, I got to agree with you. I am disrespect Damian Lillard. On this Damian program, Lillard and TJ Mc, McCullum the, is the most overrated backcourt in the NBA. Congrats, Whoa. CJ. I you agree. can pull up and shoot from the elbow. Oh, you're like Carmelo Anthony, washed up. That doesn't work anymore. And this team is overrated, and they're choke artists. Congrats. They're going to end up making the playoffs, playing game 10 seed. Wow, you'll win two games, Damian Lillard, and then what's going to happen? You're going to end up choking and blowing it all away like you do every year. They talk so much about this nonsense of Portland and how these guys are so good. You don't win anything. You don't win anything. If you're so good and you're the best point guard in the NBA, you're probably a top five player. You don't win playoff games. You lose in the first round every year. Overrated. You got to stop talking about them like they're so good because they're nothing special. Nah, but to be fair, though, I think there's something to be said about, you know, being loyal over team success. Like, you know, he could easily have done what Kevin Durant did. He could easily have done with a guy like um, you look at the uh, LeBron James or anybody who is up their team. I'm not trying to single out these guys and make them seem like they're all bad and stuff. But, you know, he could have went to a team like Los Angeles. Like LeBron was calling for him last offseason to go to the Lakers. And then all of a sudden, the whole narrative changes about him. He's a, he's a winner now. Like Anthony Davis, he was known as a loser in New Orleans for all these years. And now he's a winner because he won with LeBron in, in, LA, in LA. So with that being said, I don't think, you know, you can really, you know, truly, you know, and actually, you know, knock his ability to win, you know, because he's been staying loyal with the team who drafted him. And, you know, that's not his fault that the team hasn't put enough pieces around him to win. Um, and, and that's simple enough. Put enough pieces around him. He has CJ McCollum. And then like, you, in, they, the West, they say, in the West though, like Frank, Carmelo, so in the West, right? I understand that. But if he's a top, if he's the best point guard in the NBA and he's a top five player, like everybody says, then why can't he get there? Then why can't he play LeBron in the conference finals? Why can't he get well, there? How much more this. help does um, I need? So Anthony Davis is a top five player. We can all agree, right? Yes. Yeah. Did he not? Did he not make it past the first round in New Orleans once? Or he made it past once? Okay, he made. All right, my bad. He made it past once. Damian Lillard did the same thing. Not close to what Portland. It was Boogie. It was, actually, it was Boogie Cousins, and it was um, Rondo. Rajon Rondo, Drew Holiday. That that was a Boogie good was hurt pass. though. Boogie and, Boogie yeah, blew hurt. out his Achilles. So, yeah, so they had the Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo. That, that team had a lot of sh- solid shooters around them, too. I don't think that team is that bad. I really don't think so. If Boogie didn't get hurt, they were a legitimate team to make it to the Western Conference Finals that year. So um, I don't really think that's fair to say 
that Damian Lillard's not a winner because he hasn't won with the Portland Trailblazers, the team that drafted him. A lot of guys can't win with the team that drafted them. It's hard. It's hard unless you're Steph Curry or you're Dwayne Wade and LeBron or KD comes to your side. It's hard. But then stop that, asking for respect around the league. What respect do you want? You got to win playoff games for fucking respect. So it's, but it's about loyalty, right? So he prioritizes loyalty over, you know, ring chasing. And I think that decision has to be respected more in the NBA. You know, if you want to stay loyal to your team, there should not be a knock on you for not being able to win. It's hard. It, with the free agency era, it is hard. It is hard to win games with the team that drafted you because there's so many pieces moving around. There's all-stars teaming up every single offseason that if you want to stay loyal, it's hard. It's very hard. It's very difficult. So I respect his decision um, to be with Portland this whole season or this whole, this whole tenure, actually, rather. All right, um, let's go to the patient teams now. We've been talking about a lot about the panic. Obviously, Frank said the Blazers, um, and Nick said the Wizards, Dom said the Wizards, and I said the Warriors. And now um, let's talk about Nick. You said the Warriors as your patience team. Uh, kind of going more depth in uh, why you think that. Yeah, so I know you disagree, obviously, but you know they have Steph Curry, so I believe that alone will keep you in many games. They haven't had Draymond Green play it this year. I know a lot of people don't like him as a player, but listen, he's their defensive anchor. He's really their vocal leader. When he gets back on the floor, I think defensively they'll look a lot sharper. They've been having a lot of defensive breakdowns. I mean, you look at the Nets. I feel like Kevin Durant, he was getting all these open dunks. They were getting a bunch of backdoor cuts. It was just inexcusable. Um, and you made a good point before. It feels like the Warriors are a real just mishmash of random guys. And to an extent, I agree with that. Um, but, you know, Ubre is in a slump right now. That's not going to last the whole year. He was almost a 20-point-per-game guy last year. He's going to start hitting some yeah, shots. Yeah, great player. You know, you look at Wiseman, he's still getting used to NBA speed. He's had some good games, but he's had some rough uh, patches. But the one part of his game that I've been really impressed with is his outside shooting. So I think that will um, really help them in the future. And then, listen, like Curry's been there before. They have Draymond Green's been there before. They still have a winning culture. And even though they don't have Clay Thompson, I think I, I think they could still sneak in as maybe an eight seed in the West. Maybe not. But you know, I don't no, think look, they're going to be terrible this year. You, you made some great points. Are, they, they could be better than Portland, though, for sure. But I will say this: like it's like the Rockets this year, right? With John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, Christian Wood, James Harden. Like this is Another just a bunch of pieces being thrown around. Much, much, much. I mean, how are you going to win games when you have Christian Wood, who's kind of you know a post guy? Then you have a guy like you know John Wall, who's really not an outside scorer, really a penetrator to the basket. Demarcus Cousins, like it's just a weird fit, man. James Harden a step back, like it is just a weird fit. And that's the same thing with the Warriors. It's just a weird fit. It's a weird group of guys. And that's my only well, he, problem. The chemistry is going to try and tire all this, uh, acquire all this talent and then just throw it together. Like, there's no mismatch. How about uh, try and acquire some role players that actually fit around your superstars? It would make a the lot of sense. The Lakers are smart. See, the Lakers are smart. I like what the Lakers actually are smart. They get Montrezl Harold, Dennis Schroeder this offseason, two pieces that are going to help them off the bench instead of going for guys like, you know, maybe perhaps Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum. So, I like what the Lakers did. I don't like what a team like the Warriors did um, this offseason. But uh, let's yeah, go with Dom. Who's your patience um, and why? Uh, my patience is going to be the Nuggets. I mean, obviously, the one and three star and the loss to the Kings is not ideal for the team that went to the Western Conference Finals last season. You have some injuries with Jamal Murray, but I'm sure the Nuggets are going to turn around and stop this slow start. I mean, Jokic is an all-world player. He's He's – I think he's the best big man in the league. Versatile player. You saw a couple games ago, he had 18 assists. You don't see that from any other big man. 
ever. He's a, he's a different breed. <laughs> yeah, he is basically. Play, yeah. So, I mean, the patience is the nuggets here. I mean, they're too talented to keep, keep struggling like this. So they're definitely going to turn around, obviously be a high seed in the Western conference and make a run. All right, Frank, um, who's your patience, man? I'm talking about the nets. A lot of people are overreacting after the loss to the uh, Hornets. You know, listen, they got KD and Kyrie. This is the second best team in the Easter conference. They're going to challenge the bucks in the Easter conference finals. You got Giannis. We know how he is in the playoffs. He's a choke artist. Kyrie's proven that he could make a big shot on the big stage. So give me the Nets and give me the Nets to win the East. Yeah, I, I, agree. I agree. Play LeBron no, in the finals because listen, you got the. This is the best. KD is the best player in the world. He can get any shot he wants, anytime he wants. Kyrie is a proven winner in the playoffs, and we know how Giannis is in the playoffs. We know that LeBron. Look, I'm not ready to go that gas. far yet. Though. Give me, Whoa. give me KD. Give me the Nets. Easy. I mean, Frank, did Giannis made the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago? Like, I think his playoff was similar yeah. Has to the Saints. He made the Finals Saints. yet? No, Has but made the finals? Sim- no, hold on. Similar to the Saints, right? In the in the, in the NFL, where everybody over exaggerates how bad the Saints have been in the playoffs. Although they've won a couple games in the playoffs, and although their playoff losses are complete horse crap, you know the Saints have been getting the- yes, but you expect more from the best team and best player. So like but the Bucks, you're losing, the Bucks, but though, you, man, we- they made the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think the Bucks still have the pieces. Like they're fine. Giannis is not a choker in the playoffs. He's proven he can win a series in the playoffs versus a good team like they did in the Boston Celtics in twenty eight. What, what about what happened against the Raptors too? What about that? But no, that was Kawhi Leonard. That was that was a great team. Kawhi Leonard, Serge Ibaka. So that was um, that was Kawhi Leonard. But who who clamped up Giannis? Kawhi Leonard. Well, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kawhi was on the from game three to game six. They put. So what they, happens they, when you play against another great superstar and you got to go head to head? Well, look, I mean, it happens, man. It happens. Like, there's only one Bail. team. No, there's only one team though, who could win it all each year. And that's like the biggest, you know, misunderstanding of like the, the whole sports. Like, people think it's like championship or bust. Like, if you lose in the playoffs, like, you're, you're a choker in the playoffs. Like, that is far from the truth, far from the actual case. I mean, the, Giannis, the Bucks are all in right now. Cousins. They just got through yeah. holiday, too. Like, yeah, you got to win so now. This is, this is a, I'll admit, this is a big year for the Bucks. If they don't make the finals, it's a failure. I'm saying it's it right signed, now. Sign Giannis with a massive extension. I mean, it, I agree. It's championship or bust year. They've 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 choked multiple times in the playoffs. Like like what you mentioned about the Saints. The Saints have been getting like screwed. Like it's basically lucky that they're losing this much. The Bucks have just not played well in the in the playoffs, and I don't think that they're going to get to the finals this season. I feel like the Nets are too deep of a team. They have basically ten starting like available starting players on their team. Well, they're what do you make of the uh, Dinwiddie injury then? Because he's he yeah, was just we, we about, talk about that real quick. Yeah, that's yeah, that's brutal, guys. That was big. That, yeah, that's Let's start really off with uh, Dom. Is is was he announced like fully out for the season or was I, it? I, I think yeah, so because they it's said it's partially torn. Torn ACL, right? Yeah, 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 partially torn. He's out for the year, I think. So yeah, I mean, I mean that's well, listen. You're a team like the Nets, right? Then wouldn't you just go trade a first round pick and pick up a guy that's but they like, don't have a lot of picks, frankly. Deal. They don't have a lot of picks. I'm pretty sure they don't, yeah. they do not have a lot of well, picks yeah. at all. But anyone that the Nets have on the bench is better than Dante DiVincenzo. Like and Pat can all like who cares? Like who cares who the Bucks have? Yeah, and, and, and Kyle Poor, who should have been out of the league five years ago. Like, come on. No, but talk about the Nets and speaking of the Nets, Jared Allen's a free agent next summer. So what I think with the Nets, like their championship window, their best year to win is actually this season. And you might call me crazy, but KD's only getting older. Definitely. Jared Allen's a free agent. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, I think his contract year is coming up soon. So look at all these guys. They have to win now. This is their year to win. They got um, a better shot than the Bucks. I, I think they do have a great shot. The Los Angeles Lakers are my favorite, but the Nets are a close second, in my opinion. All right. Thanks, for everyone, for listening. If you're not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, we will be posting all of our new 
podcast material with all four of us and the crew. And also, we want you guys to go check out our TikTok. We're trying to build a little bit of a base up there. Our Twitter as well, at Sneaky Sports Podcast, and our Instagram, which we just reached 4K. Thank you all to our loyal listeners, and have a good day. Peace. Peace.